Welcome back to Bread and Butter, everybody. We're serving up the basics for Hearthstone improvement in episode 60. And as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Tito. Tito, how are you? I'm fantastic, Doc. How are you? I'm doing pretty okay. And again, we have our very special, most returningest <laughs> guest ever, Don, a.k.a. Dragon Rider. Don, how are you doing? Hello. I'm doing pretty well. I am always excited to be on the show, so always grateful to be back. Thanks for having me again. Uh, thanks for coming out. Uh, so, Don, what have you been doing inside Hearthstone recently? Yeah, so inside Hearthstone itself, uh, been playing some more off-meta decks, like since the recent uh, changes and since the recent patch. Um, I'm not playing quite as much as I usually do. Plus, we're kind of in that, I, I want to say, like, lull. It, it doesn't necessarily mean that, like, there's nothing going on, but we're kind of in that, like, the dip time frame where it's like, okay, we've, we're in between expansions. We had the mini set and now we're just kind of like, what's coming next? We're have mm-hmm. we're going to have like rotation and that new stuff. So I usually do play a little bit less at this time anyways. THL just wrapped up. So I'm like not having to prepare for matches and it's like, all right. So I'm just kind of playing off meta decks and fun things. I've um, been trying to play a little bit more Hunter again and just nice. enjoying that. So, well, so you're the that's one what playing I've been doing Hunter. in game. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's right. I mean, Ron is uh, definitely playing more Hunter than I am, but hey, <laughs> it, it's doing a little better since the patch, I will say. So it's it's been fun. Oh, no, Hunter's actually not bad at all right now. It's it's actually got some pretty good decks. It's just nobody's interested in playing them. So there's not enough stats yeah. to really show it. But um, So that's why like, I can still say it's off meta. It's, it's my highest win class, but, you know. I, I enjoy it, but I'm like, yeah, it's off meta right now. So, <laughs> <laughs> how about you? How about yourself, Tito? Okay, I'll go first then. Um, so, um, I did all right. I hit uh, like we already talked about hitting a bunch of legends last time. Um, this month, I started. I realized something that on the end of the, the last day of the month, um, I wasn't pushing for a finish in on the uh, Americans because I really was way, way, way down there. So I didn't feel like bothering with that. So on the last day in America's, it's also day one of the next month in Asia. So between that day and before it was day two in Asia, I was able to hit um, day one legend, even though it took me two days. It was still before the day was over in Asia. So I hit legend on day one, um, which was a lot of fun. Um, I was somewhere around like 524 on day one. And now I'm already in like 10,000 because I haven't really played. The bots are still out there. It is it is crazy. Um, if you are planning on working on your rank in Asia, it, if you're new to it, it's going to take a long, long time. Um, I'm still trying to find my niche in America right now. I haven't quite found the deck that is fitting for me. I've been kind of sticking with Paladin, um, but also trying to branch into different Paladins. I've been playing Earth and I've been playing dancing paladin i've been playing uh i tried to make a mech paladin work that i built and now it's doing all right all of them are doing okay but okay really doesn't cut it right um but yesterday last night i was uh streaming and i got a raid from sidisi who sent over a raid from no hands gamer which was cool it was a lot of people having fun i was in the middle of a dancing paladin i was playing kangor and i was down to about six health against a warlock a sludge lock and we were able to come back in that game and win and have full health at the end of it. So that was a lot of fun. Gross. It, it was gross. And it makes it it's those decks. It's, it's like 
if you ever golf and you have a really bad round and then you make like a, a 20 foot putt or you hit birdie on 18 and that's just enough to keep you coming back. That's the kind of thing that kind of keeps me in paladin. Cause I always have games like that. And then it's like, well, is it good or not? I don't know, but I just did this. So maybe it is good. And, and I, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes I just can't quit it, but we're, we're trying to get away from, um, paladin a little bit. I've been playing, um, the sludge lock. I'm probably going to start playing as much as I'm not super excited about it. I'm going to start trying out the control warrior, which is really good right now. I've been playing a little bit more death Knight, So we'll see. Um, I'm not necessarily all that worried. I'm not, I'm not that anxious to get to the next, um, meta because I think there's still plenty to do here, but I know a lot of people are. And, um, I don't think we're that far away. I think we'll probably be about a month away before we start hearing about the next expansion. So, um, and it'll be exciting. And next year will be what, uh, 10 year anniversary. So yep. who knows what they're going to start with. If, if we're going to have that up front or at the end or, or who knows, um, doc, how was your experience in world of Warcraft or excuse me, not world of Warcraft, the heroes of world of Warcraft with this hearthstone. How's that going? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So I've been playing a lot more, uh, BGs. Um, I, yeah, I've just been playing a lot more BGs getting, Playing with like Storm Rage and Scoob, and they're both like uh, 64, uh, like 6.4K and 6.3K. So, playing with them with much higher MMR than I currently have um, and been getting top fours has been feeling uh, pretty nice. So, I've been climbing a lot. I'm almost back up to like, uh, like 2K, which when I started playing with them, I was at like 300. So, was uh was fun to get into some tougher lobbies and uh yeah bgs is fun i still miss uh anomalies i wish we would still have anomalies versus spells because uh, i think the anomalies were more fun but bgs is still fun yeah uh so Don, <laughs> yes <laughs> what have you been doing outside of hearthstone outside of hearthstone i've been doing a ton of stuff uh, which, yeah, uh, Tito mentioned before the show. Anybody that knows me, yeah, I, I tend to probably do too much. Uh, <laughs> so Probably. Yeah, okay, okay. I do tend to do way too much. Um, but, you know, it, uh, it's, it's fine. It's fine. Uh, so I'm doing a lot of stuff with other card games. I did find a, uh, there's a Warhammer 40K for, uh, card game called Warhammer 40K Warp Forge. It's on Steam or mobile. Uh, so I did find that pretty recently and have been enjoying that. Uh, it's, you know, again, a digital game, kind of similar to Hearthstone, actually, in terms of like how it plays and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and have joined their creator program. So I did uh, did get to do like a video with uh, showcasing new cards right before they released. So that was pretty cool. Oh, heck yeah. Um, so, yeah, I've been doing doing that so not only like that video but trying to work on a lot of other content for youtube um trying to expand my youtube channel a little bit to encompass more card games and not just hearthstone um and then outside of that i've been working on like just my overall like health and trying to eat better so i'm not sick as often because that has been getting to me really badly i feel like like i've been sick so much the last like six months um and then also i have uh signed up and and gotten you know worked with the admissions and gotten set up for starting online school uh to work towards an associate in accounting uh so nice yeah very excited yeah 
Doc, how about yourself? Yeah, so uh, do you guys want the good stuff or the bad stuff first? Yes. I'll I'll roll a dice. <laughs> there you it's go. It's odd, so we'll start with the bad stuff. Um, because it was a D6, not a D20. Uh so not so good stuff. Um this last weekend or towards the end of last week, my cat started drooling uh uncontrollably. And uh so the, that weekend, uh waiting to see if it would pass, because he had done something like this before where he was behaving a little weird and like drooling a little bit and he got he was fine after like two days so we we're like okay let's wait two days so we waited two days and then it was the same on the third day so we ended up uh taking him to the vet and he has an abscess in his jaw um underneath his lower left canine tooth um the emergency vet said that in the x-ray there is no noticeable cancer however it did say that generally with cats abscesses are either caused by or can cause cancers so we're looking to get him a regular vet so we can get more work done and stuff to make sure that our little man's doing okay so in the meantime right now he's on very strong painkillers and antibiotics like his painkillers last like 12 hours so he gets two doses a day so he's just he's just a little high as a kite kitty most of the time and it's it's kind of sad, but at least he's like comfortable ish and not just in pain from the abscess that's in his. And it's crazy, like how like how quickly this just like popped up and like went from being unnoticeable to being like very much his chin is swollen and his lip is swollen and everything. Um, but uh, on a less sad note, the good stuff. Um, so this weekend I got to hang out with storm rage. And I also got to hang out with Scoob. And so we, I went and saw storm rage do, uh, improv and Grievous from beginning Blizzlet day lore. Adam Grievous was there. And, uh, so I got to see them and I got to see Ted and I got to see them do improv. And it was really fun. It was dungeon and dragons inspired improv, Daniel uh, was the master of ceremonies and the dungeon master. So that was really fun. His improv troupe is so incredibly talented. It's, it's ridiculous. Um, and then we just kind of hung out like the rest of the weekend and like played BGs and we played board games. We played a game called three kingdoms, which was really fun. And we made a drinking game to go along with three kingdoms and then after that, we decided to watch Legends of the Hidden Temple on Hulu. And we made a drinking game for that. And that was super fun. We would probably watch like three episodes of Legend of the Hidden Temple. And it was the most into Legends of the Hidden Temple, being super excited, hoping that these kids could go through all the obstacles. Uh, yeah, it was a great time. Uh, definitely definitely recommend watching legend of the hidden temple and make some kind of drinking game for your group because it's so, so much fun. And, uh, yeah. And then I came back home and that was, that was that about yourself, Tito. Well, I definitely uh, did not do any of those things. Um, and I definitely have experienced (laughs) the, the emergency vet, which is never fun or cheap. So, uh, I'm sorry Mm -hmm. you have to go through that. I hope your cat's okay. Um, I th- when you said Thank bad you. news and you started talking with your cat, that was at least better news than I thought you were leading into. So I'm glad for that. 
Um, so for me, um, I just finished dry January and I went to, I had an appointment with, I, I have started seeing a nutritionist, nutritionist every once in a while. And I had a follow up today. I was going to cancel because I had some work meetings, but it's hard to even get in those calls in, into those, um, have to get a nutritionist, especially with through the doctor system, because they're just, there's only so many of them and they're always very overbooked. So I didn't want to get myself out of that. Um, and even though I did the dry January, I kind of mailed in some of the rest, like the things I was good about in November and December, I didn't really carry forward. Like I didn't take advantage of the fact that I wasn't having anything to drink. I kind of let other things slide. So while I didn't, um, I, I think I gained a couple pounds. I kind of treaded water for the most part, but like I also had just recently had some labs done and I think I mentioned before that like I have gotten my blood sugar levels down way below. Like I'm now I was I was at like an 8.8 or something like that. Now I'm like a 5.4, which is below any problem level. So that's good. And I also found out today I have I've had like an, like anyone my age, we have like cholesterol medication and stuff like that. But I was up around I don't even know what it was like 120 or I think it was like 120. And I don't know what the numbers actually mean, but um, the median where you're supposed to be is like 50. And I was at like 54 or 52 or something like that. So I way jumped down and my good cholesterol is up. So overall, just good news that even, even though I didn't have the best uh, month last month, as far as like the taking care of myself, um, I'm still doing really well as far as the, where it matters. And it's kind of given me some, I hopefully new uh, inspiration to get back on the train and, and start doing some of the things I was doing before. And um, as the weather finally gets, it's the winter, man. Like when it's cold out and you don't want to, you don't want to eat good. You just want to eat some stew. You want to um, sit around, do nothing. I don't want to take my dogs out for a walk because it's like too cold for them, too cold for me. And I just can't wait for it to get spring, warm up. Um, I'm, I'm considering going back to the gym, trying to find some time at lunch. So we'll see how that goes. And you guys, unfortunately, get to hear about it from me every once in a while, usually weekly. <laughs> um, but it's what we do. Um, but anyway... Uh, our first topic today is a new deck in the meta that I'm sure you guys have all heard about. And I would talk about sludge lock, which is, I'm assuming what you're thinking we're going to talk about, but coin can see just had a fantastic guide for that this week. So go listen to them. They, they really break it down. Well, Megasa, uh, especially has a knack for really kind of breaking down a deck. Um, but we're going to talk about something that I bet you never thought we would talk about. And that's rainbow DK. It's actually good. Um, it's kind of come out of nowhere. It's kind of come out of nowhere since the balance patch last week. And there's been a few people playing it. And overall, uh, it's strong. Um, I don't know if you have you guys seen this deck on, on, on the uh, ladder yet? Not yet. A little bit. All right. So what are you doing with Rainbow DK? The main concept of this deck is you want to generate corpses and then spend them. And the reason why you want to do that is because your main payoff is a climatic necrotic explosion, which requires you to spend corpses. So the key cards in this deck um, is Corpse Bride. Yeah, I said that correctly. Corpse Bride is actually a card you play and you want to play, um, although you can swap <laughs> it out for some other cards. Um, but it's a really good way to drop a, a early 10-10 taunt, and more importantly, it spends 10 corpses really quickly. So it gives you the dual value there as well worth playing. You also have two other cards that are really strong in this deck that you might not even realize were cards. Uh, Sickly Grimewalker, which is an undead that 
after you summon undead, give it poisonous. And Alkaloid of Death, which is draw a card when an unfriendly undead dies. You get both those cards on at the same time. It's 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 pretty sick that you're killing things and also drawing cards. But this goes really well with the um the uh I think it was a mini set card, crop rotation, which is it I think it's three mana and it generates four uh one one court four one one minions that are undead that um die at the end of the turn and have rush. So you pull down a Grime Walker and you can clear a board pretty easily with um, four Poisonous Minions that have Rush. Or Alkylate of Death, you can draw four cards pretty easily because those are going to die no matter what by the end of the turn. So both those are kind of things we didn't really see in Death Knight. Even, you might have seen them here and there, but not as like key components of a deck. And they're, they're very important here. You also have Mwampa, which is uh, the four mana, two eight. At the end of your turn, it generates five corpses. At the start of your turn, it spends five corpses and gives you, I think, plus five health. Um, so this is an awesome card in this deck because it's spending corpses for you and gaining you health. And if you can get this down on turn three or four, two eight is very difficult to deal with, especially for some of the decks that are out there right now. There are decks that can deal with it, like Warrior can play Bellowing Flames. Um, you That's too... Uh, slimes or two sludges that could kill kill it but all in all it is it is fairly sticky for a minion like that and you can get some insane value out of that and it also again spends corpses so it helps boost your cna um you also want to be playing the malignant horrors which are two fours four mana two fours at the end of your turn it spends four corpses and gives you a copy of the minion they have they also have reborn so um, if you get any of these up there, it'll, they will wrap, they will multiply and spend corpses to make more of themselves. If they stick, plus they're sticky, they can help you clear value trade, generate more corpses, because when you generate one minion that has reborn and then it could be a copy of itself, there's four corpses right there, plus whatever value you get out of them from trading or, or hitting things. So... All these things have great synergy with your plan, which is at the end to hit them with a CNA. Um, you also have Stitch Giants, which basically are always free because if you play a Corpse Bride for a 10-10 uh, minion or if you play any of these, uh, Stitch Giants are f- cheaper um, for every corpse you spend. They're, I think they're 9 mana, and every corpse you spend, they, um, they get cheaper. So very nice synergy there too. Um, so, And then, of course, you have CNA, which has three different things it boosts, right? It boosts um, the damage done, the power of the minions, and the number of minions you get, I think. Is that how that works? I think that's right. Um, so you get... Um, you Every time you spend a corpse, one of those three randomly gets um, buffed. You don't have any control over that, but if you keep killing corpses, it's going to ha- help. Um, plus, that card also has lifesteal. So there's a lot of value there. So the way you want to play this, at least from my experience and, and from what I've been reading about and from what I've seen personally, is in the early game, you are playing some, you know, you're, you're playing the typical arms dealers. You're playing, you're, you're using your hero power. You've got, um, what's it called? The um, mining survivors or the mining, um, the two mana, two, 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 one, one um, silver hand recruits. When they die, they summon uh, mining uh, casualties. Mining casualties. Yes, that's the word. Um, that those are all great for generating corpses, but 
you can you want to get chip damage in, but even if you have to do value trading, that helps you towards the end because you again generating corpses. The more corpses you generate, the more corpses you can spend. Like we mentioned before, getting Ma and Pa down early can lead to a huge health gains, and it also is a target they need to focus on. And every time you get a turn that that survives, that's just five more corpses that got spent. And it's just self-generating. It's a beautiful thing. So you want if you can get that down early, and if you can protect that card. That, that is very beneficial for you. By the way, did you know that in the picture that it's like, so it's American Gothic, right? That it's got the, the that mm-hmm. it's modeled after. That's not husband and wife. That's father and yeah. daughter. Yes. Most people think it's husband and wife, but they're not. It's it's kind of a weird looking uh, painting there. Uh, but anyway, there's a little side. Um, big swing turns are important in this deck, especially like we talked about with the Grime Walker plus crop rotation in the Alkalite of Death. I've had turns, like I said, you had both those on there. You had one of them stick, you play the next one, you play crop rotation, you're drawing cards, you're clearing boards. It's, it's a good feeling. It feels really good. Um, now, finally, with uh, uh, CNE, typically you save that to go face at the end. You get them to like 16, 18 uh, points of damage, and that's your finisher. However, you don't have to save it for your finisher if it's the only way you're going to survive. Remember that the damage does lifesteal. So if like you have something big in your way that you can't get through and you're going to die, C&E can kill that minion, generate minions for yourself, and you can gain life. So don't, don't, I know you want to save it for the end, but if you can't and you need it to survive, it's definitely viable there. And you, speaking of big minions, we have Ruska in this deck as well because we kill so many things in this deck. There's so much death. That Resk is always cheap early. And we don't have the Azurite rat synergy that you usually see with it in like a mining Death Knight type deck, like um any of like Unholy or, or Blood that's running the um the mining package. But um it's still very good. It's a nice quick hit into something, draw something else. Usually you can grab a Titan off of it or something like that if you plan out your cards right. Uh, we also play um the Quartz Steel. Quartz Steel Crusher in this deck, which is, uh, I believe it's a four mana fourth, is a, it's a four mana four three weapon, I think. I forget the exact stats on it, but it freezes. Four mana three three. Four mana three three, thank you. Um, and it, um, it freezes whatever it attacks, which good, but it's especially good if you're trying to hold off something like um, an Odin Warrior or somebody that's generated a uh, weapon off Ignis and stuff like that, and it can buy you a turn or two or three by hitting them in the face. Um, as you're trying to finish up your um, attacks on things. So, um, again, just to recap, it's you want to get early chip damage, you want to value trade to build up your corpses, and then um, you want to spend those corpses as quick as possible. You want to get your corpse rides down, you want to get your any of your spenders, you want to play them, and you want to get those giants down and really put pressure on them for them to deal with that. Meanwhile, you're just generating those corpses and, um, you know, getting towards your CNE. Now, like we said, uh, CNA is usually lethal, um, but clear use it, use it, use it. I've seen a few people play this deck that they just haven't used it to clear something, and at the end, if they would have done that, they would have gained some health back, they would have developed a board, and they could have won. So there's good matchups here. Most of the matchups, it, it's very green across the board. A lot of the, the, the matchups are good, or at least around 50% or higher, like 51 52%. Um, you can feel pretty confident just playing this into the field right now. 
it's even solid versus sludge lock. It's not an, it's not a um, overwhelming um, win rate, but it's it's more than fifty, and you will be competitive in most of your sludge match sludge warlock matchups. Um, it does seem the stats do seem to say that it falls off a little bit the higher you get into like legend or maybe higher legend, but for most of us, that's probably almost irrelevant. So like, I think you, if, if you want to play some uh, death Knight and you are, don't want to play blood and you don't want to play plague, who knows? Like we've been waiting for this unicorn for a long, long time and it's finally here and who no long, who knows how long it's going to last. So you want to probably get in there, give this a try now um, you can find some streamers that are playing it. Like I know Clark Hellscream has been playing it quite a bit. So he's, he's a good one to watch. Um, I, I believe no hands gamers played it a little bit, although I could be wrong about that. So go ahead and get in. Now, if you're looking for maybe some alternate cards here, um, corpse farm is pretty good. That's a spender. That's, um, uh, I believe three or four mana and it spends up to eight corpses and, and generates a minion based on that. So that's a good one. Um, usually that would take the place of corpse bride, Although I'm a little surprised, I figured you'd have want to have more corpse generators than less, but um, the the stats all kind of put it towards it's either like one or the other, and a lot of lists are also running Sylvanus because you you definitely infuse Sylvanus really fast, so that way you can use Sylvanus to really have one of those swing turns as well, take their Titan, take something else that's really in your way. That's about it. Um, any thoughts on the deck, guys? Have you? I, I know, Doc. You said you haven't seen it that much, but have yourself done? Um, yeah. I mean it. It does quite a lot for the different cards that are in there. I mean, like you described a lot of the different cards. There's a lot of little synergies. There's a lot of um, different things that it can do. Right? It can kind of um, get on board really early. Very similar to what we've seen with just like the unholy type decks that would start getting on board with with a lot of small minions it has that potential for uh as you mentioned like the crop rotation to clear big things with poison combos there's drop potential uh, and then big burst um but it's it can feel hit or miss from my experience so so far like if you don't try to kind of play it in that same way it can feel kind of weird sometimes, but it it does seem to be doing uh decently. And yeah, it's it's an interesting deck that you don't have to worry about things like the plagues, which I like. I liked the older, like um unholy type decks myself. So this kind of just getting on board, playing that style, and then having hopefully that end game finisher is definitely um more kind of my pace of deck than Let's just put plagues in and then hope they draw the plagues and, uh, you know, have discounted cards or interruption because uh, that that does not always work. Um, so this is definitely a bit more of I don't want to say just like straightforward because there are a lot of those different, you know, interesting little lines and, and things, how you can mix the cards and play. But um, this is something that I feel like is much more similar to the unholy style decks and more of a board type deck than things like uh, the plague DK right that we have right now. So if that deck is something that uh, that deck style is something that you like or that you're interested in, definitely suggest at least giving this one a try and seeing how it feels for you. Yeah. It's not exactly a, a Mensa deck. You don't need, it's not super big brain, but it's definitely, 
it's more challenging than say like a dragon druid, which is also a really good deck right now. But dragon druid is fairly solid, right? Play dragons, build big dragon wall. Um, hope they don't get through it. Um, there's definitely a lot more um, agency, I'd say, in this deck that um, you have. Every game feels a little different, but um, it's not that complicated. So it's definitely, I think, a good deck to play if you. It's a good watching TV deck. Like you get TV on on the side and you want to you want to <laughs> grind. So like, like we do it. We all do it. Right. Like you. The pop off turns are good. The swing turns are, are good, but they're also not very complicated. It's like, OK, what do I do? I play these two cards together and I get to clear the board. I play these two cards together. I get to draw some cards. I play these two cards together. I have a big wall in their way. So it's it's not big brain, but it's definitely challenge it's definitely different each time and it's a fun deck I, I i've had a lot of fun playing it i can say that for sure so what do you think doc you're gonna give this one a chance uh yeah yeah i'll look up the list and see if i need to craft anything for it and then i'll jam a couple games it's actually not if, if as long as you have uh, i think there's only what the two leg- three legendaries is monpa cne and um Vreska. and if you don't play if you don't have Vreska, i think you can sub out for that um with something like sylvanas maybe but um, cause they kind of do the same thing. So, um, I think, I think there's, um, it's fairly affordable, all things considered. So, I don't know. But anyway, as you all know, when we have Dawn here, we have a topic to talk about and we've gone through some, some pretty good basic topics. And now that we're in the year 2024, we figured it's now time to move up to our 200 level classes. So today, <laughs> Dawn's here, which is good. She's going back to school, and she's going to take you back to school. We're going to talk about matchup knowledge. So, Dawn, take it away. Thank you, thank you. Yes, so throughout last year, we did go through a lot of those basics. We talked about things like phases, um, you know, basically like phases in a turn or lack of phases for Hearthstone on how that can impact your turns. We talked about the different types of resources, archetypes, uh, a bit about mulligans and kind of like learning a deck uh, and some tilt and emotions. All of those do play into every game and how you want to to play things. And we did touch on a little bit of this when we talked about learning a deck and kind of starting to learn you know, a little bit about how things play. And I think we touched on it a little bit as well when we were talking about phases and talking about maybe recognizing what your opponent wants to do, things like that. But uh, we're going to kind of move from basics into more like intermediate uh, style topics and dig even deeper into these. So yeah, for, for this first one, I wanted to talk about like specific matchup knowledge. So this goes deeper than just saying, okay, I know generally what my deck wants to do. Maybe like what we just talked about with that rainbow DK, right? That That is a fantastic breakdown of what that deck wants to do. But how does that deck play or how do your decisions change if you are versus one deck versus a different deck when you're playing Rainbow DK or any deck that you're playing? But sometimes it doesn't change or it's very similar. But there definitely can be cases where the decisions you make or what you're doing will drastically change. Uh one thing that I want to mention is definitely in mulligans is one spot that this can be very prevalent is some cards are just not very good in certain matchups. Uh, so, for example, if you maybe want to play a minion early, but your opponent is going to have 
the resources, the cards for removing that. Or you're just like, I want to play this one one. And you're playing against a class that maybe pings with their hero power or is like, uh, you know, demon hunter that can just hero power and then kill your thing with uh, one attack. That might not be a minion that you necessarily uh, do want to play in those specific matchups. It might still be, but it always depends on the payoff. I think one good example of that is uh, in Hunter, the singer, the, the singer that draws you a secret. That is a one health minion. Sometimes you just have to say the value I'm getting for drawing that is worth it, even if I'm playing in a matchup where they're going to just kill this anyways, because I'm getting the value from it uh, immediately. But that's, again, not always going to be the case. So what we're looking at here when we're diving a bit deeper is you want to really start looking at how does this card, when you're when you're making these mulligan choices, how does this card play out against that specific class or against, if you're on ladder, I would say probably start, it, when you're asking yourselves these questions, start with saying the most popular archetype of that class until you know what deck it is. Um, but if you just kind of default to like, now, let's say Demon Hunter, let's say Naga Demon Hunter is the most popular, you know, the sharpshooter. Okay, then I can just say it's likely that deck. Or if there's two, you can maybe say if they're similar, it's it's going to be the same. Um, but the, the process you want to start with is analyzing, okay, when I'm making my mulligan choices, how does this card affect my game plan? And... Is that something that I care if my opponent maybe removes? How do they remove it? What are they looking for to do here? And does it actually not help my game plan if they just answer it immediately? Um, Then I would say the next step is you want to start identifying as soon as you can in the game what their deck is. Uh, if this is like a tournament or something where you know what deck there is, what deck they're playing, because it's maybe open list, this is a lot easier and you know that going into the mulligan. But for ladder purposes, which I feel like most players are probably going to be doing ladder sessions, uh, you, you don't know immediately what that deck is. So as quickly as you can, start to recognize what uh, deck you're playing against. I would say if you do struggle a little bit or maybe you're not as familiar with the different decks or the lists that you could be facing against, uh, using resources like the Vicious Syndicate or HS Replay and pulling up some deck lists, like as soon as you get in game and you see, okay, I'm I'm queued into a Death Knight. Like I'm just going to use that as an example because right now, for example, Tito already mentioned several different Death Knight decks. Oh, okay, which one could I be facing? I'm going to pull up some lists and then you can start seeing, oh, okay, as soon as they play this card, I can start recognizing that that is this specific deck. And then once you know that specific deck, you really need to start using that knowledge of that specific deck in all of the decisions you make. Are you going to be more aggressive with how your deck plays because you need to burst your opponent down very quickly? Uh, those cases are maybe in some of those long games, certain decks 
It will just be more beneficial for them the longer the game goes. So in that matchup, you may need to recognize, hey, once they build up their combo cards, they're going to kill me in, in one hit. Odin Warrior, right? Once they get to that point of they played Odin, and then likely in the next turn or two, I probably will be dead to a big hit. That's kind of the base level knowledge. So then you can start to build from there. Say, okay, once they get to that point, they're going to kill me very quickly. So I want to try to beat them before they get to that point. And you got to think about that in all of your turns. What plays will make that possible for you in that matchup? And uh, when you start doing that, it also will impact your decisions if you discover any cards. And I think uh, I have a really good example of that here, which is a match that I had played for THL, uh, which I was, again, playing in an open deck list. So I knew the deck, uh, which was actually a rogue that we haven't seen in a little bit, but it was kind of that miracle rogue that plays the uh, location, gets to play a bunch of cards in one turn, and then makes a big minion. So the decision that I had for, uh, I was playing as uh, Plague DK, and I had this decision of Cold Feet to make the enemy minions cost five more next turn. I had Crop Rotation, Summon 4-1-1 Undead with Rush that die at the end of the turn, or Icy Touch to deal two damage to an enemy and freeze it. So I thought, well, I know this is Miracle Rogue, and even if I didn't know it because it was uh, open deck list, at this point, this was on my turn four. On turn three, they had played that location. So I kind of already recognized, okay, this they're going to go for big swing turns. They're going to build big minions. But they're not really playing a lot of minions. They're playing a lot of spells generally, right? Really cheap spells. So taking cold feet to make their minions cost more doesn't make much sense in that specific matchup. You might want to pick that card specifically in a matchup where your opponent is playing some style of deck like the Sharpshooter, Demon Hunter, or maybe Odin Warrior, where they're going to try to play that minion and you're going to make it cost more and delay those turns. But here, that didn't make sense. Crop rotation to summon four one ones with Rush. Mm, they're going to die at the, at the end of my turn anyways, so I can't really build a board with them. And again, they're not really playing too many minions. And I have no cool synergy like we talked about with the other Death Knight to give them poison. So this also didn't make much sense. But Icy Touch to freeze an enemy, that made sense when they're going to likely be playing a bunch of spells and using that location to put out one large minion. So at that point, I knew, okay, in this matchup for this decision here, the Icy Touch is the best pick. I can freeze that large minion as soon as it comes out onto the board and then I'll be able to slow down the damage that my opponent is doing. But also it gives me maybe two turns to try to deal with that large body. Uh, because knowing my deck, this Plague DK, I don't really have removal for a large body. I can deal maybe three damage at a time with some of the spells. Maybe my minions are doing two, three, four attack. But if they build an 8-8 eight, eight or larger... I can't deal with that with just one thing on my side. So I wanted to put that up as an example of how the decisions can really change in the different matchups, even for like your discover choices. 
What do you guys think? Oh, very nice. Yeah, no, um, definitely do notice all these things as I'm playing. Like there are times where I, I, a couple examples is I play a lot of Paladin trying to get away from that now, but I've been playing a lot of Paladin and um, a lot <laughs> of times what I will do is if I have a one mana, if I have a, I have the uh, Sanguine Soldier there, the one mana two one Divine Shield, if I have that minion or the uh, Righteous Protector, I will keep um, for Kel'Thalas, which gives the minion plus three and you plus two, because on turn one I play that minion. On turn two, you can play for Kel'Thalas, make your minion five one, go face, and if they put something two two on the board, you clear it with your face. You get tempo and all that, but. For a while there, we were seeing almost nothing but Plague DK in regards to Death Knight. So I knew that if um, I if I played that um, and I was on the coin, so if they had their first turn, I was on the coin. Usually they have the weapon um, that is the one 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 drawer plague, and they can hero power. And they, they've been playing things like uh, um, Tour Guide. So most of the time, whenever I would play that, it would get cleared and. Then I have this card in my hand for Kel'Thalas, which is a good card, but now it's a dead card at this time. So when I was seeing that matchup, I was deciding I'm not going to do that. Um, another thing, too, is like, I'll stay with Paladin because I've been playing that a lot. Um, against an, uh, If the game goes long against a Death Knight, I kept making the mistake of, hey, I'm going to build a big minion here because now how they're going to deal with it. And then it's like, oh, yeah, Reska. And Reska hits into it. They take it. I'm like, oh, there goes my big minion or however. So um instead you try to i try to go wide and spread out my threats against death knight in that at that it's, it's different now because there we see in a lot more different death knights but i would try to spread out the threats so not make anything too big but make everything kind of there or hold back and then try to buff everything at once rather than try to be threatening where other decks you kind of want to do i i've had opportunity to um make a threatening board to make them have to deal with it and it, it pays off better so Depending on how your deck plays, you might want to play it differently depending on what you know they can do as counter, uh, as reactive um, tools to that. If you know they're running Sylvanas, you don't want to put something big that they can just steal. If you know they're going to be running a Primus, you probably want to wait until they get that out there before you play the big thing that they're just going to kill and gain health back. And it's not always, but you can't always do that too, right? Like you have to know that a good, I think a good, interesting deck to talk about is something like a control warrior because you know especially if you're an aggro type deck you know they're going to have um clears they're going to have bellowing flames they're going to have um whirlwind they're going not whirlwind um uh blades uh they're going to have sanitize they're going to have two brawls possibly they're going to have two targeted brawls and and that's just going to be the end of. And they're gonna have. Oh, I'm sorry. I almost forgot my favorite card in the world. Um, uh, the what do you call it? The <laughs> I, I can't even think of the name of it right now. Um, trial by fire. Um, you know. So all these things are detrimental to what you're doing. But you can't. In, in the case against the control warrior, if you're playing something like an aggro paladin, you can't wait. You have to know that this is coming, but you have to make them have those cards. Because if you just wait, they're gonna have those cards. Um, but even if you know they're coming, you can try to maybe spread out your threats so that way, okay, I didn't fully invest my board into this um, Bellowing Flames that's coming out and then reinvest my board into Sanitize and now it's done. If you can find a way to spread out your threats 
because you know what's coming, that helps. But and that's where those match that matchup happens. Like a lot of times, it's the matchup knowledge that can give you an edge in an unfavorable matchup. And I think that's where it's almost more important is to find the holes in the unfavorable matchups that you weren't kind of expecting to get because you're expected to lose. Yeah, and so the instance that comes to my mind on this topic is in the long, long ago of Hawksbitter Hunter. Because um, that's a deck that I jammed a bunch of. And so there were times where I'd see a matchup where I was like, okay, well, instead of wanting to absolutely combo out with the Hawksbitters and get four of them, I'll grab a second Hydralodon, give myself some more time to survive the mid game and then pop off with my big combo later. So there's a lot of understanding when you have to switch your deck from like the aggro slash combo to the control to like waste resources to be then able to do like your game plan. So, um, and I wish I played more of the current standard meta so I could talk about the current standard meta about it, but like, that's just a deck that really spoke to me at the time. And so that's when I jammed a lot of, and so I got in a very comfortable habit of, Oh, I see, I see a warrior or I see, uh, I forget what else was, what else was good back then. Um, but like, okay, I just have to meter out my stuff, force them to have answers while slowly building up my combo. And then more often than not me going for the different discover options with getting another hydrolodon off of a selective breeder or whatever, like made, made the matchup more open than if I would have just done, I am combo deck. I do combo thing. And then I get blown out in the mid game because I have nothing (laughs) right now. Um, yeah, it's just, there's always little ways where even if you're playing, say like tree and Druid, where you can make a small quote unquote, small board, make it tall, not super wide to force them to have a clear. And the next time you can reload, you have to force them to have another clear. And then you get to reload like one or two more times because that deck reloads like crazy. And so it's just metering out resources, figuring out when you have to force them to react to you. And then once you get that reaction you want, you can go back into your game plan and be able to switch back being aggro or being combo instead of having to force a reaction out of somebody. You mean shocks better, right? Or am I wrong? Is that not what I, is that not what I said the, when I was talking about it? I said, you said sh- Hawks better. So I was confused. Yeah. Shocks better. Okay. Yeah. Shocks better. I was like, I, is, I thought this is what you meant. I'm like, is there a deck I'm not really thinking about? No, no, that's the one I was thinking of. All right, just making sure. Yes. No, and I, and I think those are good examples. And this is why I love talking about these topics is because even though you're not maybe playing the current meta as much, you just brought up a perfect example of how you've done that in past metas. These topics transcend metas, right? Th- these are something that will apply every meta, no matter what decks are popular, you can apply these like these skills and this knowledge in every meta that you're applying. So th- this is not just to say, oh, okay, just, just learn Rainbow DK and the matchups there. Well, that might help you in this meta, but learning these skills will help you in all of these metas. Uh, so definitely uh, the decisions that you're making in these different uh, turns, like or like you were saying, like the discovers and ha- kind of how you're maneuvering 
the different points of the game can change uh, depending on the matchup. Um, and so what I want to say, too, is when you're looking at these matchups, you're playing these games and you're thinking, OK, how does this matchup maybe change what I want to do? Uh, there's kind of a, a couple different um, notable things that you want to look at in terms of maybe your deck and the other deck is um, your threats. Right, You want to kind of analyze well, what are my threats? Are my threats made up of small minions and going wide on the board? Or are my threats maybe like that Miracle Rogue that I talked about where the threats are going in on a big combo and getting a big minion? Uh, are my threats a mix of some small minions and weapon attacks? Are my threats coming from spells from hand and, and building that up? Um and likewise, you, you need to think about that for the opponent as well, because if you're thinking about that for the opponent, how does that uh, work with what your deck is doing? So if you're going to go wide and your opponent has removals, you do need to think about the removals. Um, I will say for one, uh, one thing that I have learned over my years of playing is I used to be the player who was very much like, I'm playing this aggressive deck and I would just like throw all of my stuff out onto the board and then maybe the priest or, or warrior opponent would have a board clear and then I'd be so sad and like, oh, well, maybe I shouldn't have <laughs> played all that stuff out. Um, but on the other side, there definitely is something to be said. In, in my experience, I love being really aggressive versus things like, druids especially when they're more ramp style druids right the slower decks you can be very aggressive against druids or warriors or priests um warriors and priests i think especially are really interesting um for for me to talk about because yes they have removals yeah they have armor or they have healing but they generally can't do all of it at the same time they usually have to pick which way they're going so, uh, as you mentioned, Doc, like Treant Druid, let's say, you can maybe go a little bit wider, or maybe you say, you know what, I only have three things on the board. This is an okay time for me to give my, my three things on board a death rattle, instead of saying, oh, I need to have like five or six minions on board and give them death rattle. You know, it's okay, because now if my opponent has removal, I'm still going to have something on the board afterwards. So maybe they have to have two different kinds of removal in the same turn or they can go for that removal, but I still have something to work with afterwards that then I can buff those things and be able to to use my stuff at that point. Um, so even though there is removal, there are ways and decisions that you can think about it depending on what you're doing. Uh, and um, again, like I said, that, like warrior and priest for me, especially like they can't usually do all of the things. So even if they remove your board, well, they also didn't heal or they didn't draw or they didn't develop their own board. So now maybe, yeah, they did clear, but now, okay, you can just redevelop your board and they're in the same spot again next turn where now they have to answer the board mm -hmm. you just created again. So do they have a second removal or are they going to take the time to try to draw and find something else now at this point? Or now are they going to get on board where if they get on board, then it goes back to you. They didn't remove your board this time. So now you can you know, maybe buff up your board or do something else. Uh, so I, I think 
that was one thing for me that I did kind of learn over time that at first I was like, okay, I just have to play around removal or I'm just going to play all my stuff. And then if they don't have removal, I win. But I think recognizing that there is a little bit more to it than just, oh, okay, they're going to either remove my board or they don't. It's that how am I forcing them to deal with this? And if they do deal with it, what does that mean they aren't doing? Because sometimes that's also very important, right? If you see an Odin warrior that has to answer your board on turn eight and they're not playing Odin, they're not working towards their own game plan, right? So, you know, if if you get on board, the uh, aggro mirror matchups, I think, is also a yes. really good um one to look at for these right it's like okay if you're in a treant druid mirror match or a paladin mirror match well how are the trades going is one person trading a little bit more and kind of saving their board or is one person just smacking face saying i'm gonna make you answer but they're not answering the board and then all of a sudden you can play some buffs and then like hey you didn't answer my board so now i get to do the things that i want to do with my deck and you're in trouble because now you're at two health and <laughs> you're going to die next turn. So I, I think looking at not only what they can do, but what they didn't do is also very important, especially when we're looking at these very specific matchups. We talked about this with Ron a couple of weeks ago when he was on, but um, when I was, so I was playing a lot of Paladin as we, as one does and <laughs> Tree and Drew was a lot more popular than it was um, now. And it, it was it's still strong, but it was a lot more popular. Seeing it everywhere. And I was going into that matchup because I had played a bit of the, the the Druid. And I was like, well, what if I what if I just, you know, I can keep him off the board until I get the thing. And so I, I was playing very conservatively. I was clearing. I was trading. And and it was going okay, not great. And then I, then I realized, wait, wait. I can just outrace them. Like, I can just build stuff up, hit them in the face before they even get a chance to buff their stuff and before they get to play their cultivations and, and their whatever. And then once I once I hit that switch, it made all the difference because it was that. So um, one of the best ways to learn the matchups is to play the decks you're matching up against because if you want to figure out how to find the ways to squeak out wins versus something like a sludge lock, Play Sludge Lock because you will lose some games and you will like, oh, that sucked. I'd like to do that to a Sludge Warlock or or whatever. So when you play against, when you play the decks, you lose with those decks. Even when you learn how to win, you're, you're still going to win, lose however many games. So that's that's a great way to figure out how to beat a deck like that because you're going to lose playing that deck. So then you know how to make that deck lose. And I think um, some kind of uh, to to start winding this conversation down, what can you do besides just being in a game and saying, okay, I remember Don talking about making these choices and thinking about these questions. What other actions can you take to learn matchups better? And I definitely agree with Tito, like playing other decks is, you know, if if you can, I will say, because not everyone is going to have the collection to play all of the decks, right? You might not have all of the legendaries. You might not have all the cards. Uh, so if that's the case, if you can't just queue up another deck and play that deck that you just lost to to try to learn about it more, or you really just want to stick with one deck, um, you can maybe 
if you have other people or join communities like the bread and butter, like the coin concede, like the doctor three, like join these discords, join these communities and ask if somebody's willing to like play a handful of games with a specific deck against your specific deck. You can say, Hey, like I really specifically want to understand or get better at this death Knight versus hunter specific matchup. And you can, do a friendly game to queue up against them and play specifically that matchup. Uh, I remember when um, we were prepping for, I believe it was the fall championship. Uh, me and the other casters did exactly this. We were like, okay, that's a kind of interesting deck list. Or they had really interesting card choices in their list. That's slightly different from like the kind of typical deck that we see. We'll, we want to make sure that we can talk about that card or those card choices. So let's queue up that deck against these other decks. And we practice very specific matchups uh, so we could really talk about them during the casting. But it's a really good way to learn certain matchups a lot better, too. And you don't have to have the cards. You can also borrow decks from your opponent. So if you have a little, you know, maybe not as full of a collection as one friend or somebody in a community does, when you borrow their decks, you don't have to have the cards. So you can play that friendly matchup by just doing the borrow deck feature and be able to to play and kind of get that understanding uh, as well. So if you're facing against decks, you can you can do that too. Uh, and then the other the other thing I would say is using resources like again, Vicious Syndicate or HS Replay. It, I I think I've mentioned this like every time, but HS Replay has these features where you can go to the VOD section of a deck. You can click the VODs tab and it will show you streamers VODs for that deck. And you can actually filter it by wins or loss. You can filter the opponent. So if you do want a very specific matchup, you can select the opposing deck. And then you can even select if you're, if you're going first or if you're on coin or either and that is a great way to try to watch those streamers and analyze those specific matchups if you feel like you might be struggling in a certain matchup or maybe if you look at stats and you're like huh this says you know maybe the matchup is 60 40 in your favor but you are somehow losing a lot more than that in that matchup you're like why am i not doing as well in this matchup is what the general stats say uh, that's that's another case where maybe you do want to look at those specific matchups and you can watch those streamers you can see the kind of decisions that you're making in that matchup specifically so i love that vod feature to be able to really look up uh, very specific stuff and then the last thing is get the amount of games in playing especially on ladder when there's a variety of decks i know we talked about this with the like basics yeah, maybe playing 10 or 20 games kind of gives you the the basic feel for how a deck will play in general. But when we're talking more match specific and you're wanting to learn against a specific deck or even a specific style of deck, you have to play more games than that. You're going to have to jam a lot more games, especially if they're on ladder, because you're not always going to hit that matchup. You're going to have to have a much larger size pool, sample size of games to see how that game is going. And that's why I also suggest trying to do friendly matches to play against other people, because then you can get the reps of a very specific matchup a lot faster than you can just playing on ladder. 
So those are all things that you can try to do to actually learn very specific matchups. And I know for people who have been in like the competitive scene, they do this a lot, right? This is kind of how they prep and they test and say, do I want to bring this deck? Well, how does it do against these popular, you know, decks? Maybe it's a more off meta thing. They're like, hmm, let's try this and see how it's going to fit against these other things because they're not going to get that experience playing it on ladder because it's an off meta deck. Nobody's playing that, but it actually might do okay against a certain thing that they expect for that tournament. So these tools to actually practice specific matchups can help you a lot if you want to actually learn those specific matchups more than just playing on ladder. And one of the things too, is this looking at uh mulligan stats on each of these replays is great. Like Don said, you can, you can look at matchup on coin off coin, but it's not gospel what the stats say. And that's because certain things might be kept in certain situations. Like for example, I was talking about keeping four Kelta loss, which you wouldn't do unless you had like a divine shield minion also. Um, same thing with like, maybe, maybe if you, in a certain matchup you have, um, um, God, I can't even think of it. The spell that buffs two plus one plus two, and then you get a divine shield or you get out and you draw a card. So, um, for, for Pally main, I forget all the main cards, um, hand of a doll. So you can, if you keep hand of a doll, if it makes a good play, it's just like a nice curve play. You keep it. Now you might look at the stats and say, Hey, uh, showdowns only kept 33% of the time. So I'm not going to keep it. But if you're if you're seeing a whole lot of aggro druids and you have a showdown and you have a prismatic beam in hand, I mean that seems like a pretty solid keep if like you know what's going on there. So knowing that matchup and like use the stats, but also use the knowledge that you pick up because it's like, well, I'm not going to keep showdown. I'm not going to keep prismatic beam. But if I have them both, that makes a lot of sense here. Uh, or 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 right, you know what I mean. So it's just keep an eye. The more you learn about the matchups and the more you see these decks, you're going to often see the same decks over and over and over again. But um, if there's multiple types of a, a class playing multiple decks, that can happen. But a lot of times, people tend to focus on one or two. So you can make educated guesses right off the top. of Like, oh, I think it's going to be this. So you can hedge your bets a little bit. And sometimes it won't pay out. Sometimes you'll be like, boy, uh, I really wish I didn't keep these cards. But uh, those are lessons learned. And you would have felt really good if they would have paid off. And they probably will pay off next time. All right, um, Doc, any final thoughts on uh, this topic? Uh, I mean, not that I feel like I can add anything that will be constructive that hasn't already been said. Um, I feel like I feel like Don and us like feel like we hit on ev- basically everything we could about this. That is so. No, I do not. Except go team. <laughs> One last thing I will say, as we'll say this just about every topic, check your replays. Because if you can you can see what you, you can go back, usually the turn that you lost is not the turn you lost the game. You lost the game on turn three. You lost the game on turn five. So go through the games and don't just focus on the end. Focus on, hey, if I would have done this instead of that, I would have still had a board. I could have built it up there, whatever it might be. Go through those. Ask for people to look at look at them as well as you know the deck, especially if you know a deck very well, because you can get. So, I can't tell you, and I, I think about this a lot. How often do you pick up a new deck and you go like ten and two with it, and then you're like, ah, got it, know this deck. Next day you go two and ten, and you're like, I thought I knew this deck. Nothing's changed. The meta hasn't changed. Everything you see the same things, but you get so comf- comfortable with the 
um, you, you've made these neural pathways on, I see this, I do that. I see this, I do that, that you don't necessarily make the right decisions because you, you, ha- you, you've established this muscle memory. So if you get someone else to look and say, why didn't you do? So I had, I had this game where I was playing, it was a THL game and I was playing, I was, I was playing Paladin, Agro Paladin. I'm not a Paladin man. I was playing Agro Paladin <laughs> versus a, um, uh, Sharpshooter Demon Hunter, right? And I had a turn three play where I, or turn four play where I, I played one thing and I could have played a uh, uh, buffoon. I could have played the one that gives you a two, four, draw a three, uh, three ones with um, divine shields if it's infused. I could have played that, but I made a different play. I believe I played out uh, a one minute unit and then I also played a, a muster for battle because I had the next turn I had the um, I think I coined it out actually because the next turn I played the aura because they had a clear board and nothing. Now this is a topic that'll come up probably in the next few months with Dawn. I didn't do any hand reading and if I would have looked at their hand I would have noticed that they kept three cards. So in my brain I should have thought hey they have a sharpshooter so is my play the right play and if I would have played the buffoon which I didn't even consider if I would have played the buffoon and um I would have been able to block a few more shots. I would have survived um, and I could potentially could have had the uh, counterplay. But because I didn't, they had like the perfect pop-off turn, cleared my board, did a bunch of damage, and there was no way I was coming back on that because I had no way to clear the sharpshooter. They had a bunch of the, the tools they needed. Granted, they, got, they, they had the nuts, which was fine. But I, I literally, my thought coming out of that game was there was nothing I could have done. They, they just had it, but... No, there was a play I could have made if I would have, you know, evaluated what they had, read their hand a little bit, and and just made an adjustment there. So I know that's a different topic, but it, it's just one of those things where if you replay, review your replays, even if you think you, you were good, I couldn't make a mistake, get someone else to look at it, take a double look at it yourself because there might be something there. Anyway, that was a bit off topic. Sorry. And you can you can learn from wins and losses yes. too. Like if you know if you won a game, you can review that too and and say, like the the day you went ten and two, review those games and say, okay, what decisions were I making that helped me win these games? Was I being aggressive in that matchup when I should have been? You know, or what was I doing right? Because that that's also very helpful, especially when you want to look at specific matchups too. And even if you want to evaluate, yeah, like you say, they're saying it, like, okay, this worked. Was there a different line I could have taken? And do that. Don't just review your own replays. Like, especially if you're in the communities like we are, review other people's replays because they'll post them because they're looking for the same answers that you are, and you might see a completely different line. And that kind of just critical thinking helps you even just review your own games. And, and it's all, it all feeds into the same beast. You can all, everything helps. And I know we're pulling multiple topics in together, but it, it felt relevant because reviewing your replays in these matchups, when you see, when you, especially when you can see their hand in, in the replays and you say, okay, well, they had this. So that's probably something that's going to happen again. So they had this and then I played this. Well, I could have done this and it would have negated that. So that's what I should do. And I'm waving my hands around like a lunatic. So uh, <laughs> you guys can't see that classic visual goof. But um, Dawn, any other final thoughts? Uh, no. All right. Well, Doc, that was a lot of information. But um, 
I'm a little full. I think I have some room for dessert, though. How about you? Yeah, dessert sounds pretty good. So, Don, we're asking you a different question, and I feel like this is going to change every time you come on. Um, But uh, what is your favorite holiday? Nice. Perfect answer. 10 out of 10. (laughs) But in terms of, like, you know, Regular holidays, I guess, that most people would think of. Uh, I love Thanksgiving because I Heck love food. yeah. Again, <laughs> so, perfect answer. 10 yeah. out of 10. <laughs> I mean, I thought you sounded a little froggish tonight. <laughs> but um, <psh. laughs> So, Don, where can people find you? Yes. Uh, so you can find me on Twitter at Donnie DK, D-A-W-N-I-E-D-K. You can find me on Twitch and YouTube, Dragon Rider TCCG. And then I do actually do two podcasts uh, that I am one of the hosts on. So I know I'm a little bit more of an irregular guest here or regular guest reoccurring. I don't know. But I'm a consistent host on the other shows. So every week you can also find me on the Dr. 3HS podcast where we focus on standard Hearthstone. And then every week I also do TCCG Roundtable uh, with my fellow host, Ron Mexico, who we mentioned, and uh, new get or new host, uh, Dankest Dad as well. Uh, and in that show, we dive into a lot of very similar things like this. Uh, and we cover a lot of different topics and talk about stuff that's just going on in card games in general so we might talk about eight to 12 different card games all in a single episode sometimes so uh, if you love card games then definitely uh, check that one out heck yeah we'll do uh tito well you can find me on tito santana hs on both twitter and twitch and since doc skipped this in the show notes i get to say listener we'd love it if you gave us a review we 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 put a lot of work into the show. We like we 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 hope you like the topics. If you have topics you want to t- um, hear about, even if we've already talked about them, let us know. If you have certain guests you'd like to see on the show, I will gladly go beg, borrow, and steal and try to get them on. Um, so just you know, let us know. And if you can give us a five star review, that helps people find the show. If you can just tell one person, we have an obelisk scheme here. You don't have to tell two people. We don't. It's not a pyramid. Just tell one person. If one other person finds our show, and 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 we can um, make that happen. Be fantastic. Uh, how about yourself, Doc? Where can people find you? Uh, yeah, for now, primarily, you can find me on Twitter. Eventually, you'll be able to find me on Twitch again, but alas, it is not this day. Uh, Don, do you have any shout-outs? Um, yeah, as, as always, I will shout-out the two of you. Thank you for having me on again. Uh, <laughs> yes, I, I love joining, and honestly... Uh, I think I've mentioned this before, but being on the show and kind of really getting to like dive into these topics a little bit more has honestly helped me shape the content that I want to make for my YouTube channel. So this kind of like teaching style, this is what I'm more focusing on instead of just live streaming and, and jamming games uh, this year. So thank you both for for having me again. And speaking of some special YouTube content, I'm going to shout out uh, Baby Bear, Jombre, language hacker and housewife uh because we did a very fun uh like you know valentine's day themed uh couples hearthstone oh, game yeah. show so that video will be coming soon and it was a ton of fun 
Uh, but yeah, shout out to them for for joining me and doing that. Uh, and it was a blast and I hope people enjoy it. Doc, how about yourself? Uh, yeah, Don, thank you so much for being on the show again. It's always a pleasure to have you on. It's always fun to get to talk to you again. Um, and I want to shout out uh, Stormrage and Scoob. Uh, Scoob being the gentleman who made our intro and our outro to our podcast. Uh, it was just a fun time hanging out with my friends uh, this weekend. So I want to shout them out for thanks for being awesome. And uh, yeah, Tito, how about yourself? I'd like to thank out my boy, just the guy. I think you guys have heard of him before, but uh, he's he's a kindred spirit of mine. And it's always funny, too, because he'll say something. And if he, something's going bad in his life or something like that, I'll come back with a snarky comment. And people probably think, wow, Tito's being a real jerk. But it's our sense of humor. We, we talk all the time and um, he's just he's just my guy. I, 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 I feel like we go through a lot of the same things and um, always rooting for him. And he's just he's just so wonderful. He's been helping out. You got two people in the community, new computers, because that's what he does. Um, so if you're looking for a computer, I can't recommend enough. Hit me up. I'll get you in touch <laughs> with just the guy. I don't get a commission. I promise uh, he, he, he will treat you right. He will help you fit your budget and he will get you back on track. Uh, he hooked up my guy, um, uh, Master Tour Champion, who was on the show a few weeks ago because his system died and he was out of commission for a week. And just a guy got him a new system within a week. And um, it was it's a much better system now. He says he can actually play APM games. Um, I also, speaking of Master Tour Champion, I also want to thank, um, shout out him and Magesa, who also um double checked i i like when i write these guides to just make sure that people um smarter than me look them over and say yep you're not saying anything stupid this all sounds right and um they've both been very helpful when those have come up so i appreciate them um but anyway guys it's been a great show i think we're toast i'll see ya bye-bye Slide two brothers meet one another when they slide up to the mic. It's bread and butter with one another. Let's start up that recording light.